Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the beauty of your creation, Lord, that even as it is rainy and gray outside, Lord, there is so much beauty to behold. Lord, your presence in the raindrops, your presence, Lord God, and in the green leaves that are still here, Lord, your presence in this place. We pray that you would speak to us today. Lord God, we've come here to see you to meet you face to face, Lord, and to be transformed by your grace. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us, open our hearts and our minds up to hear and to receive you. And we pray, Lord God, that you would speak. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. So great to see you all today. Uh, Well, I'm sure you've seen them because they're incredibly popular, but there's the Television is full of home makeover shows, right? There's like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, there's Flip or Flop, there's Property Brothers, there's... I I can't think of any more right now. But they're all over the place, right? And they all center around this idea that you take this dot of a house, or maybe an okay house, and you turn it into something completely amazing and beautiful all in one episode. Right? Because we all know from personal experience that that's how home renovations go. Right? You start after lunch and by dinner time your kitchen is completely remodeled. Right? Isn't that how it works in your house? No, not at all. It's all so neat and tidy and their crews are so courteous and it works so smoothly. Every once in a while they have a hang up. Are they really going to be done by the end of the episode? Sure enough, every time they are, right? It's amazing. Uh, These shows and their popularity reveal to us how important this idea of transformation is in our lives. This idea of taking something broken or something that is not up to standard or not up to snuff and bringing it and turning it into something beautiful. This is something that captivates our minds and our hearts, this idea of transformation and change. And we see a lot of it in our Gospel for Luke today. In this passage, we have Jesus taking with him Peter and James and John, and they head up the mountain to pray. It's a pretty common theme for Jesus to get away from the crowds and to go and pray and be alone. But this time, while he's praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Now, this is not typical, is it? No. In addition... Two other, mere, two other men appear with him, Moses and Elijah, and they're talking to him like this is no big deal. That's really interesting, I think. Right? I mean, if you were there on the mountaintop and two people appeared with you who had been dead for centuries, would it be a big deal? Yes, yes it would be a big deal. Right? I think it'd throw me out of my routine a little bit. Now Moses, of course, you remember him as the one who led the Israelites out of slavery into Egypt and to the border of the Promised Land. He's also the one through whom God gave his people, his law. Elijah is known as the iconic prophet. 
Right? God did all kinds of miraculous things to Elijah, and he was willing to speak these prophetic words to um, the government of Israel, even when they didn't agree with him, even when it could cost him his life. He was willing to speak to the people about God and his message, even when the people didn't want to hear it. Elijah was a profound prophet, and through him, God had done miraculous and powerful things. And these two, these two are there with Jesus, representing the law and the prophets. Now, I particularly like how Luke describes the state of the disciples. It says, now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. Have you ever felt that before? All right, weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. I love this passage because it's so honest. It's so real. That feeling of being weighed down with sleep, barely able to keep your eyes open. And that's how Peter and the other disciples are on that mountaintop. These are the kind of details that help us understand the authenticity of the gospel accounts as well. Because something like this is not a detail you would include if you were writing your own story. Right? You would probably put in the heroic bits. And you might like redact this section to be like, oh, they were alert with Jesus all the night as they always were, faithful companions. No, instead it presents them as kind of slothy, kind of like us, right? Not able to stay awake, not able to focus on prayer, barely able to witness this miraculous event. And so the disciples, they're supposed to be up there on that mountaintop with Jesus for their prayer retreat. And they can barely stay awake, but by the grace of God, they do. And because they did stay awake, they're able to see Jesus Christ in his glory and Moses and Elijah. Now, we're not told exactly what they're speaking about. There's lots of hypotheses about that. But it appears that the conversation is ending and that they're exchanging secret handshakes and all that kind of stuff that they would do when Peter comes up with an idea and pops off with it. He wants to build dwellings, like temporary shelters, uh, similar to what the Israelites built in the wilderness as they traveled from Egypt to the Promised Land. He wants to take sticks and branches and form them together and form three dwellings, uh, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus, so that they can hang out there for longer. But Moses and Elijah, do they need a place to hang out? No, they're in glory with God. They don't need a little shelter made out of sticks. And Jesus, he's been fine just up until now. Right? Nobody else came up with this idea except for Peter. But there's another issue, and a deeper issue. Because Peter, in his statement, puts all of them in some, in the, in some ways an equal level. We'll build a shelter for Jesus, a shelter for Elijah, a shelter for Moses. Peter's made an error of lowering the Son of God to a merely human level. This interpretation helps us to understand the Father's powerful response to Peter's statement. The passage tells us, While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud a voice then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my Son, my Chosen, listen to him. God the Father cloaks the mountain in cloud like on Mount Sinai when he had spoken to Moses. Then from the cloud he warns, he exhorts them. 
to understand that Jesus is his son. And he is the chosen one. No one else is his equal. No one else is on the level that Jesus is. He is so far above Moses and Elijah that they are incomparable. Moses and Elijah, they're special people. They're unique people. They did profound things for God. But they were just like us. Frail, made terrible decisions sometimes, were filled with fear, acted impulsively. They were just like us. But Jesus, while he has taken on our flesh, he is different because he is God. Now, this This uh, reprimand from God totally freaks out the disciples. And the next day, they head back down the mountain and don't tell anyone about anything they saw until much later. They want to keep this all quiet. On their arrival, things down in the valley, they're going well, aren't they? No, the valley's in total chaos. There's this demon-possessed kid running around. The disciples have been trying to cast the demon out. Nothing's been working. And so the father immediately latches onto Jesus, saying, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He is my only child. Does this sound familiar? He is my, look at my son, he is my only child. It sounds so similar to what God the Father had just said. This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And here we have this language from a human father asking for help for his son. Now, after rebuking the entire generation and the demon, it comes out of the child, and he is healed and given back to his father. The result of this exorcism is that all were astounded at the greatness of God. So in this passage, we see two transformations. We see Jesus on the mountaintop, transfigured in glory, and we see this boy who had been demon-possessed. We see him healed and transformed into normalcy, restored back to normal life. Both of these events lead to people witnessing the greatness of God. Now, it's my belief that these events are critically linked, and it's not just happenstance that they occurred one after the other. Here's what I mean. It's because Jesus is the one who is the Son of God, the Chosen, the one covered in glory that he can walk down the mountain and with one word cast the demon out of that boy and change him. This is good news because we yearn for transformation. We yearn for change. Home makeover shows work for us because they allow us to put our desire for internal change into a project, into an object that can be transformed with tools and materials. But the challenge that we realize in that is that no matter how many homes we transform, no matter how many living rooms we redo, does it ever change the human heart? No. The best interior decorator in the world can't do a thing about the insides of us. No, we need Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is in glory, the one who has revealed his power on that mountaintop to come down 
to come down into the demon-possessed valleys and to transform us. We need him and his grace and mercy to reach into our broken lives and to heal them. The transfiguration shows us not only who Jesus is, but how who he is changes us too. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being the God that takes what is broken and makes it new. For being the God who is not afraid to go down into those valleys, Lord, and to confront our brokenness there. Lord God, you are not afraid to take on our flesh and to be a human, Lord, to live among us and to die for our sins. Lord, you are willing to do that. And we thank you because it gives us hope that we can come to you now and we can confess to you our failures. We can confess to you our pride, our envy, our slander. And we can confess to you, Lord, that even beyond those actions, there is a sin that is even deeper. Help us. Help us, Lord. Reach into our lives and speak the word and heal us. Forgive us for our sin. Set us free from our bondage to it and to death. We pray, Lord, that you would give us hope for eternal life. Lord, and we pray that as redeemed and grace-filled people, you would send us into this world as your ambassadors, as people who understand that we are not perfect, Lord, but it is you who are perfect. And so with mercy and love, we reach out to others and share the good news with them, that they might know hope, that they might know joy, and that they might experience your love. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.